Yo, what is going on, everybody? I am Vinny Potestivo. You are listening to I Have a Podcast. And on this episode, we are continuing our conversation with Dave Knoll, executive producer extraordinaire, an amazing creative. And we're actually going to reveal a lot more in this episode about the many layers to Dave Knoll. Dave, what an awesome tooling that was on how to pitch and get projects just in front of media executives. Thank you for that last episode. Thank you so much. Is it fun to share those those like war stories, so to speak, you know, where you're, where you're in the battlegrounds of, of literally how, how to start a conversation about an important topic? It, might, it must have been pandemic related, but there, I had a moment at the beginning of 2020, the very beginning, where I was like, I just want to share all of this. And if someone can learn anything from any of it, that would be amazing. And so that's why I'm on LinkedIn all the time now. That's awesome. Posting about creating content, selling content, you know, creating an enormous hit show. That's, I, for some reason, I just want to share all these things. So we're realizing how dynamic, you know, being a creative in this TV industry is from a storytelling perspective, from the characters we choose, um, from the, the way we're structuring the story, from the bookends of the series, of the season. One of the ways I hear you talk about TV, when you talk about let, making sure people experience the story, it comes down to format. And I think format and story together, it's a toy, it's a tool, it's a, it's a guaranteed sort of very unique experience you know, that I can have that could disrupt the normal conversation and energy from the larger you know, a uh, goal at hand of the series and let you playfully or, or meaningfully dip into some serious topics that, you know, is secretly as creators, our way of getting our messages into our content. I'm obsessed with the format of all of it, meaning, yeah. yes, what is the format of a great game show, a Wheel of Fortune, who wants to be a millionaire, deal or no deal, Survivor, American Idol, but What's the format of Law and Order? What's the format of, of The Office or Seinfeld? What are the beats that they're, they're secretly or not secretly hitting every single time? What's the format for a Fast and the Furious movie? Why are a Mission Impossible movie or, or the seven Harry Potter books? What is she doing every single time that makes that such a unique experience and yet so gloriously familiar. And I would say um, all of those things, or what's the format for a wildly popular Instagram post, Instagram mm -hmm. profile? Account, yeah. um, what's the format for a wildly popular YouTube page? And all of those things, there's often often what you find is extremely popular things, these $100 million properties that those are the types of things I'm looking to create. They have a formula. And you can literally, you, when you see it, it's amazing. And that, that's one of the things, um, I reread the Harry Potter books, looking for the formulas, looking yeah. for what is her format. It was awesome to do. And I wrote in the books, it's crazy. Um, it's very cool. And is, is it pretty clear? Is it like sometimes the formula can be casting, you know? Um, if you look at Fast and Furious, sure. You look at the consistency throughout that franchise, and I think that the casting itself 
you know, was part of the success formula. I can see how, how I'll tell you the very biggest different one. formulas. Yeah, the, the, the one that I think is a miracle um, is the Marvel Cinematic Universe. When you watch Black Panther versus the Avengers versus Guardians of the Galaxy versus Shang-Chi, these are really very different movies as you experience them. Black Panther, it, the, the experience was so unique. Shang-Chi, the experience, the dragons at the end with the wings and the it, yeah. it was so unique. The first Avengers, the all of these things. There's, and yet, there's when you really study it and break it down, not only is it so obvious what they're doing, but it's so obvious that so you take a look at Iron Man and and why did they choose Iron Man first and how did they structure that movie? And it was basically you look at it, it's like it was kind of a risky choice. Robert Downey Jr. was not the obvious actor for that part at that time. Risky choice. Guy in his, what was he, in his late 30s, uh, mid-30s, yeah. brunette. With a rap sheet. You know, yeah, it wasn't, exactly. It wasn't Hollywood's A-list at that point. Um, no. Who else is in that movie? Jeff Bridges, older actor, very well-respected. Mm-hmm. Um, Gwyneth Paltrow, female actress, very well-respected. Uh, he is a, obviously, billionaire, playboy, philanthropist, as he says, who in that movie secretly puts on this outfit to fight crime. And when you look at all those beats of that movie, it's, it's a bit comedic. She's in danger at one point, like all of the beats of that movie. And then you're like, Oh my gosh. Yeah. In 1908. So that was 2008 in 1989. Is that when it was? Batman came out, Tim Burton's Batman, totally yeah, original, yeah. totally unique, had all of those beats, all of them. Michael Keaton wasn't the traditional choice. He was the mid-30s, the, not the person you would choose, kind of comedic, brunette, mid-30s actor, blonde actress, well-respected, Kim Basinger, Oscar nominee, Oscar winner now, Jack Nicholson. So you put these elements in the movie, make sure... Um, there's, you know, someone there, everybody knows. So Jack Mm. Nicholson, Jeff Bridges, I feel very comfortable with this. Batman is a billionaire, playboy, philanthropist who puts on a suit. I know Danny DeVito. I I know exactly. I'm following you on this. (laughs) The only kind of major difference. So like, what is this one big change is that Batman is very brooding, obviously, even in that movie. Very broody. He's so upset that his parents have been killed. By the way, Iron Man's parents also murdered when he was young. But Batman, brooding, dark, blues, blacks, very dark. Iron Man, happiest guy ever. Casinos, bright colors, red, gold. There's a tonal shift. Other than that, very similar movies. And then uh, the Marvel Cinematic Universe not only copied that formula for themselves again and again and again, Thor, Captain America, you know, Black Panther, Captain Marvel, but they did it and they advertised it. They would say, here's the one thing. And it was in all the articles. So they would say, um, like when 
uh, Captain America came out, they would say, oh, this is a, it's just like one of our it's like Iron Man. It's a superhero movie. But it's also a uh, what war was that? What, it, it was it's a war movie. It's it's an old fashioned, you know, American World War One movie. When um, Black Panther came out, I thought it was hilarious because it's so obvious they had only had white heroes like that whole time. And now he's not white anymore. But they didn't say that. They said, oh, this is like a superhero movie meets James Bond. They kept saying that. And you're like, that's crazy. But OK, uh, mm-hmm. when Ant-Man came out, this is a superhero movie meets a heist movie. When um, Spider-Man came out, this is a superhero movie meets a John Hughes movie. They always had a line that they clearly repeated again and again and again in all these interviews, the director and the producer and the actors. And that gives you that comfort. Oh, I know what this movie is. They have the comfortable beats in all of those movies. There's always an older, respected actor. Every single one. It's crazy. Mm -hmm. Annette Mm -hmm. Bening, Glenn Close, like... There's always Michael Douglas, uh, Michelle Fiverr. There's Morgan Freeman. There's always, yeah, exactly. There's always an older, mm-hmm. respected actor that's crazy famous to people age 50 and up. Always, 45, whatever it is. They, they do this formula, but they all come at it and they say, but here's the one thing. It's a heist movie. So it's not going to be the same thing. It's not, it's not a retread. This mm-hmm. is a superhero movie meets a heist movie. Uh, Iron Man 2, they would say, this is a superhero movie meets a buddy action comedy. Or maybe it was Iron Man 3, one of those. But they always have a line. And that's, and that's again, like what, no matter what you're selling, no matter what you're trying to excel doing, mm-hmm. have a simple, simple line. Make people feel very comfortable. I'm a real estate agent and I'm one of the best. Okay, great. But now what's one thing that's completely different that no one has ever seen before. My pictures are only in black and white. That wouldn't make any sense. But I don't know. Maybe that's you. You're the brooding mm-hmm. hipster uh, real estate agent. Whatever it is. It's a lot to think of. There's a lot of moving pieces. And and I see how the formats... Again, well, you because you want to set expectations, right? You, you want to set expectations, I think. I think I want to set expectations so that I allow you to exceed them. Like, I want you to think you know what you know, but then when you chime in to see what it is I'm dropping in front of you, I want you to be pleasantly surprised. It so is what like, you're saying here, it, it gives me enough to know what to expect without, you know, knowing what's going to happen next. It is like every great talent out there, every great musician. It's, there's always, almost always, it's like, well, you know, you, there's a huge level of comfort. Yeah. I get what this is. This this world, I am very comfortable. It is very successful. But you need that one thing that no one had done before. That people that people crave both of those things and they're really different. They want comfort, but they want one thing that's different. And so right. they crave those things. You have to figure out as a as a creator or as someone selling something or whatever, you have to figure out how to explain that in in a clear, concise and that's, it's just Marvel was one of the best at that ever, yeah. right? Um, it's But a clear, concise, repeatable way. And I'm thinking about even in, um, in podcasts and in, in some structured podcasts and, you know, there's podcasts. I love podcasting because it can be, conversations can be organized by time, by topics, by interest, by people. You know, I, I try to focus to have conversations that make impact as opposed to fit fit into a certain structure. Mm-hmm. You know, I want to create 
this, not an episode, <laughs> but I want to create this. And I know that this is way greater than any episode I can ever create. Um, so I don't even try to create the episodes when I'm doing, when I'm talking, when I'm, when I can be present, this is my guilt. This, I'm like a kid in a candy store right now. I'm like, this is my <laughs> you know, like I'm like, I'm, I'm having so much fun doing this, but I know that I can't serve dinner in a home renovation show. I can't knock a bedroom down in a dating show. Like in television, the audience is tune, tune is tuning into you because there is an ep- promise and an expectation on, on a creative because our time is valuable and important. And if you, by the way, if you play any funny tricks with me, I'll never watch your show again. That we, we know this, right? <laughs> and in podcasting, it's interesting because it's sort of like a wild west. Yeah. Some people have, you know, there are some people who have repeat segments that come back that fit nicely. I love having segments in podcasts, mostly for amplification. I find that it's easier for a news platform or a media platform or a blog to pick up a segment from oh, yeah. my podcast because because it's nice when you spot gold. You know, this, yep. you and I spent, have spent our career looking, searching. So it's nice when you see it, which is rare gold. and few and far between. But you also want to set up a steady stream of success, a, set, a positive experience with creativity. And I think that that's where having a strongly structured segment, you know, and, and, and not just, by the way, um, not just podcasting, I'm thinking just this week alone, Instagram is right now rolling out subscriptions. Um, there's oh, wow. currently 10, there's 10 influencers in the world right now that have the ability to get paid for recurring co- um, content through Instagram natively. So we're not asking them to go anywhere outside of Instagram for content that they're making, you know, an app. So that's cool. So, yeah, like, listen to our last episode about what you need to have to show up. To be honest, I'll just give you the hint. A tag, a tagline, <laughs> talent. I'll stay with the tease and then go back and listen to the last episode. <laughs> what do you think about this though, right? Are we onto something here? Like this is uh, podcasts, you know, are the, the next TV pilot. So <laughs> I am always shocked by, I have a good friend that's an architect and he pitches his new vision for a building. And then I have a friend that sells boxes for a living. He literally sells boxes for a living. And, um, and then I have friends all over this industry, right? Um, movies, authors, pop stars, uh, songwriters. And at the end of the day, it all comes back to you, you have to have talent in this thing that you're doing whether you're writing songs or you're selling boxes, right? There has to be some talent there. You have to be able to have, but now in order to really explode, in order to really take off, you need one thing that's different, one thing to sell, one thing to go out there and say, boom, I'm doing this. I love that. And when I look at how current creators are producing content now, there's a lot of sort of bulk content happening, which, which if you come from TV, you're used to shooting non-linearly, you know, in, in certain hours of time. So I love that we can sort of have a conversation, a sustainable conversation around creativity, about efficiency, segments, formats really make that process a lot easier. Yeah. So, I mean, we, we shoot, uh, 
in one episode of Chopped in a Day, um, America says we shoot six in a day, six up, six half hours. So that's three hours of you know high quality content in one day, and it's and it's done. You're you're that's another thing you're looking for that clear clear path um, to a hundred million dollars or more, but also in the shortest amount of time. So so to get that. Great people love America says we can shoot it just like that. It's that fast. Same thing with, you know, Wheel of Fortune and Jeopardy and yeah. Family Feud. I grew up watching game shows. Like if you ask me, um, what do you want to be when you grew up as a kid? When I was a kid, I wouldn't say a famous or celebrity. I would say I want to be the center square. Uh, like I had like like I Jim J. Bullock was my idol, and like I literally grew up watching game shows. So like my just, little brother just, was top center square a couple yes. times. On uh, Hollywood Squares, and it was one of the greatest, couple of the greatest weeks of my life because he is when, an when, actor and a comedian. That's awesome. When hip, when when VH1 brought Hip Hop Squares, I was like, "Can I just go on set, please? I gotta like, I just, just want to touch it. Like, I just want to yes, be there. I just want to take a picture <laughs> and sit in the seat and eat your craft services and say hi to everybody <laughs> and, and hair and makeup. <laughs> um, it's so true. Um, how do you sit down and create content digitally? So we we've, we've learned a little bit about how you create you know, with, with TV networks and larger clients, um, you stand out to me on LinkedIn. And I know that's not something that you're just sitting down and, and bulk writing. So what's your approach (laughs) to the, the similarity native creation? Yeah. The similarities are there in that the biggest thing uh, among the biggest things, what makes you unique? So again, even on LinkedIn, what I'm doing is, what everyone's doing or a lot of people are doing, which is um, giving business related work, you know, uh, uh, tips, sales tips, um, show business tips, how to get started in show business, all those things. That's what a lot of people are doing on LinkedIn. But then it's what makes you unique. And so I have really focused on the, oh, my, uh, the words I focus on are creativity and positivity. Because I feel like that's how I've always sold every single show that I've ever sold was my goal is some sort of bit of wild creativity that no one's ever said before. And I try to be so positive that it's addictive. I want people to leave the meeting and say, that's one of the smartest things I ever heard. Or at least I've, or at least I've never heard that before. Maybe it's crap, but yeah. I've, I've never heard it. That's at least a goal. And then the other thing is, even if they're a cynical TV executive who's been around forever, I want them to think to themselves, you know what? I'd like to make a show with Dave Noll. He is fun. He brought joy to that pitch. He brought positive. So my LinkedIn posts are all about um, creativity and positivity, how to create, how to sell those creations, how to bring those creations to life. And positivity. I, I probably overdose on positivity because I feel like people need that and they like it. No, you're absolutely right, by the way. Not about overdosing on positivity, but the need. <laughs> the need is real. You know, uh, especially on LinkedIn, I experience um, uh, uh, creative success and financial success sort of being, I'm experiencing being measured the same way. Um, and, and, and maybe you might look at some of your biggest 
Well, I wouldn't, I don't want to put words in your mouth. So like, are, are some of your biggest financial successes also your, I bet your financial successes are probably creative successes, but are all of your creative successes financial successes? Oh my God, no. I mean, yeah, right? most of my creative, <laughs> everything is, is failure. It's all, I mean, <laughs> what we, what Cleve and I you. do every day. I'm here for you. I am here yeah. for this. <laughs> but what, what Cleve and I do every day is literally fail. That's that's what we're doing every day. Like if you if you watched me for a month, you would say <laughs> you would be like, "How do they do it? They fail every day, like constantly." Passes. <laughs> no, you're wrong. You know, like you need to think about this. Like it, like degrading emails. It's it's constant failure. If you look through my folders, I, you know, I used to print everything out so I would never lose it and put it in these very um, detailed, highly organized, color-coordinated folders. <laughs> and if you look through those folders, it's show after show after show after show that you've never heard of before because it never made air or it made air for a season and then got tossed off or it, we did a pilot. All I do is fail constantly. And that acceptance is it's like literally you have to walk in every day and go, well, that's it. I, I fail for a living. And then, oh my gosh, every once in a while, something busts through and, and beats all the odds. I say anything, any success um, in television, especially is a series of miracles. It, there's just, you need at least five of them or, or seven or whatever it is to yeah. get you to success. On LinkedIn, I kind of feel the same way, meaning I'm going to keep posting and I'm going to keep trying to put stuff out there. And I'm sure a lot of it, a lot of people are going to say is garbage. I love when like my youngest daughter, Rebecca, I have three daughters. They're amazing. Mm -hmm. My youngest daughter, Rebecca, is so great for social media because she loves the negativity of it. She thinks it's hilarious <laughs> when people say mean things to me. So when I started, and sometimes people would say mean things, I took it seriously. And one day I read something. She's like, why are you upset? And I read it to her. And she laughed. Like she was basically like, that means you're blowing up, right? Like if that's so funny, it's awesome. So the other day I was like, oh, take a look at this. You know, this is a post that's been seen by, I, I forget what it was, but it was a lot. It was like 40,000 people saw this post, 40,000 views, you know, and look at this. I got, a, you know, I got 1,000 likes. I'm so happy. And she starts laughing. And, she, and I was like, why are you laughing at me? What? And she's like, that means basically 39,000 people, no, 29,000, 19,000 people didn't like it. <laughs> 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 she was like, it's so great if you think of it that way. 19,000 people were like, who's this idiot? Nah, this is useless. It's a waste of my time. It's so funny. But but for the people but for the people who who see your your past work or whatever what, for whatever reason they relate, they they connect with you, you know, you're putting it out there. And I love, you know, LinkedIn. <laughs> LinkedIn for creatives is exciting for me because un unlike Instagram, oh, yes. for example, where if you were to look up hashtag video, that might have 36 million, you know, pieces of content organized under one hashtag, hashtag video on Instagram. 
on LinkedIn, if you search for a hashtag video, you'll get 100,000 people who are subscribed to the video hashtag. I love that. Like the I hashtag strategy is just so different that it, it, it really, you don't have to post every single day on, yep. first off, you're not supposed to, I mean, you're not, you can do whatever you want and um, everything works differently for different people, but the recommendation from LinkedIn is to post once a day. And, and really yep. kind of how that works is they imagine that what you're going to say is so important that they'll give it to a certain percentage of your audience if that percentage does well and they start sharing or commenting underneath in the threads that's the likes don't really have an impact because a, a, a like is kind of like a fake action let's say words are real action um, conversation you know is real action they're, they're trying to drive conversation so that something happens actually um linkedin social audio events that are live right now on on linkedin can't be recorded and shared afterwards because they want people in oh, the wow. room they want the magic to happen Right. Um, before they become just another media platform f- to hold all your poorly worded coaching videos and <laughs> advice videos that you turn, you know, all that, that, that sector of content. It, that makes complete sense. Cause when I do a new post, it takes a couple hours, but I can tell very, almost very quickly. And you're right. It's not by the likes. It's about how many people have commented to me. It's all about, it's all about engagement in that thread yep. conversation. And and are we starting a conversation? Absolutely. And that's the, the, the best part. And, and, and also, I think that's why surveys work so well yeah. on LinkedIn, which is something mm-hmm. I stayed away from at first because I was like, surveys, that's like fake. <laughs> that's like a fake engagement. I'm not asking you a question, so you have to click on a button, and then I get engagement as my user account. Well, LinkedIn doesn't give me credit as a user for a user. Like, that's not how LinkedIn works. Mm-hmm. And what's cool about about the surveys, first off, for people like us to know that we can post one survey a day at seven, seven surveys a week, and we can have it run for two weeks. That's market research for us. right? There. Exactly. I'm, I'm not, I'm looking for characters and loopholes. I'm, I'm measuring gains and gaps. I'm figuring out what we're talking yeah. about and what we're not like. I'm, I'm I love that space. Um, that and that 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 sort of data helps me understand, you know, how how to give value, especially right. on LinkedIn. Absolutely. Um, whereas on 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 Instagram, it's a little sexier platform. There's a, it's a different need. Mm-hmm. The, there's sort of a relevance game, you know, popularity game that that happens on on Instagram that you know is important to networks and, and network executives. Sometimes that number, those numbers come up. So. Very much playing that game. What um, so for the content creators that are out there? What are your advice? What's your advice on on owning IP, on the ownership of intellectual property? I mean, obviously, I come from a place where we we don't really own anything because then the, the yeah. that well, amount that for people who don't know. Well, what happens in television is you pitch an idea, you 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 pitch this show, this concept. And if the network, you know, is going to put a ton of money into it, they own it outright. That doesn't happen around the world, sadly, in Europe um, and most everywhere else around the world, the creator still owns a piece of, they have to, it's illegal for them not to. In the United States, because we're a country that's not geared towards the individual. We're geared towards the corporation. 
So everything I've ever done is tilted towards the corporation. Um, Chopped isn't owned by me. It's owned by Discovery, right? Uh, America says it isn't owned by me. It's owned by Game Show Network and Sony or some version of that. Uh, and and so that's that's different. I would say you need to know the parameters going in. I've been able to do very well, even though that is the case in TV. What I love about social media is that you own it. They don't own it. And there's a lot of discussion about that. But what's cool is you can create a show on YouTube that if it takes off, you own that content. That's your show. Um, you can create you know, a podcast and you own that show. That is awesome. That's the, that is why it is the Wild West and why it's so potentially valuable. I would highly recommend anyone, if you have any show idea about anything, to prove it. That's the whole goal. Absolutely. Prove it in a podcast. Prove it in, on YouTube. Yes. However you can prove it, prove it because you can now. Um, that's how to get the attention of all these people. Uh, Cleve and I don't ever take pitches anymore. And we haven't for years and years and years because we're creating constantly. Um, but when people come to me and they say, I've got this idea for a new game show, I always say, prove it. Just, you can shoot it, do it. Um, people respond to success. So make it, prove it. Yeah, we've seen uh, we've seen documentaries get catfish was a document. We've seen Morgan Spurlock. We've seen people launch documentaries that get Sitcoms, turned into TV shows. Right, every, exactly. Uh, dramas from podcasts, like it, it's people out there doing it and proving it. I was going to say media networks are onto it. Like, uh, there's often been pitches where unscripted goes to Bravo, scripted goes to NBC. Everything stays in the NBC umbrella. There's a digitalleg.com for the podcast to be. So, so I know TV is um, looking for ways to to touch some of these new, unique sort of pieces of content that traditionally weren't distributed by by those networks. Like now, you know, MTV has a podcast division and. Networks have, po- I don't know if A&E has a, a podcast. I know they have a digital team, but I wonder if they have a, a solely. I feel dedicated- like everybody does now. I feel like everyone has a digital division and a podcast division, or it, or because it's, it's like those are also people to be pitching your show. I mean, anyone on the inside. So like I, the last show when I was at MTV in 07, the last show I helped get greenlit was um, a podcast called Man and Wife, Fat Man Scoop wow. and His Wife. I loved it. And um, they had this podcast. I thought it was a video podcast. We shot some video. And what happened is, is we got we got the project, the dot-com project sold to dot-com from a business perspective. And wow. MTV helped build the website, which made the sale of the series that much simpler. And that in, in 2007 was my first podcast to TV you know, conversion, um, wow. which is like the man and wife. It was like a black love line. That was my parting gift to MTV. <laughs> it was awesome. That's by the cool. Way. I mean, that what is it, the four to be in digital. Yeah, that's it. That's like I know, I know networks. You know, it's they're slow to they're 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 risk adverse because they're publicly traded companies and there's lots of politics. I'm curious though, are they when you're in pitches when you're talking to TV networks are they are they talking about the decentralized video market? Do, do NFTs come up in your pitches? Um, oh, NFTs do not. <laughs> um, uh, podcasts do. 
Um, definitely. Uh, there's lots of discussion. As like a companion podcast. series? Like they're like, oh, we can have the podcast companion series for this. Yeah. Thing. Or is or how? is there a podcast that's a hit that's like this or, or things Ooh, like that? Yeah. Um, Clubhouse is now, uh, the last couple of months, starting to... is. And I, that's why I would say to people, prove, like, prove your idea. Just go on Clubhouse. If it's like a talk show, if it's a format in any way, oh, yeah. start the show there. Start the show on YouTube. Start, start it. Start, start something. Start it because also um, all the buyers, all of the – we're all on those platforms. Yeah. There's not and and we're we're watching things being created. We're we're quick to jump in if we think we can be a part of the success or something, or if we feel like we can be beneficial to the conversation. That I can give you, you know, advice or make a connection, um, or be that rocket, the the person yeah. that helps it take it from here to here. You know, it's this grow growing success, That's growing success. It. We might be able to explode it. We've talked a lot about structure and strategies to selling. Um, do you have a multi-year strategy? Do, do Always. You in, yeah. <laughs> well, I'm a firm believer in almost nothing amazing can happen in a year. I don't care, okay. you know, all of it. I like that. I wish someone told me that in the beginning. That makes like five, if you're ten, writing your yeah. first book, like you, you're just not even going to get an agent in the first. You're never going to get it. Like almost nothing can amazing can happen in a year. But the way I look at it is almost nothing amazing can't happen. Like anyone can do almost anything if they focus on it for ten years. So you have this. That's just my belief. I just think if you want to write a book. Don't and you, if you say in the next ten years I'm going to study all this I'm going to try to meet everyone I can I'm going to if you want to you know be a, a politician right mm-hmm. I'm going to work nonstop well after a year I think you're probably not going to make it you're not going to be AOC in a year I don't think but if you really focus and you decide I'm going to pour everything into this for ten years. I think you can do almost anyone can do almost anything. Um, does that mean you can be, you know, the quarterback of the Jets? Yes, maybe anybody could think. Uh, but the quarterback of the Patriots? No, you can't do that. But what I mean is, it, it would be amazing to, as I say, be a politician if that's what you think. It would be amazing to to excel in the business world, to be one of the greatest, you know, HR people. I don't know, whatever it is that you want to do. And so that's why I'm constantly thinking in in the long term. So yes, we have short-term goals, like we're creative. So we need these short-term bullet points in order to get us up in the morning. We have every single day, I'm like, well, what is What am I doing today? What do I have to do today? What am I doing today? To move us forward. But we also have this long-term goal constantly, always. So when do you like reassess? When do you reassess the strategy? When do you deviate from the strategy? And also, when do you heavily rely and trust and lean on it? I'm constantly... It's interesting. I'm working on this book right now. And the publisher, editor... She is like, you're... It's so interesting the way you work. Because you don't turn in anything unless it's, she's like, it's obviously edited. Like, it, 
you've obviously reworked it. You're obviously not, this isn't just a first draft. And I think that's just, I don't know why that's how I am, but I am constantly reworking everything, a new idea, a deck, you know, a presentation, a pitch, uh, a, a chapter of the book or a section of the book, constantly reworking it until the moment I can't do it anymore. Until the, until the pitch, until the I have to deliver something. Um, and I think that's just how I am. So I am constantly evaluating what Cleve and I are doing at all times, trying to make sure we're better than everybody else. And I don't know if there's anyone out there in television, if you, know, if you said who are the, the greatest unscripted show creators, I don't know if there's anyone out there who would say uh, Cleve and Dave, except for me. <laughs> but my goal, darn it, every single day is that we're the best in the world that this idea that we're about to sell is going to be the best one they hear all year. Again, my life is failure. So I'm sure I'm going to fail 999 times out of a thousand. But that's the goal. This is going to be your best pitch meeting of the year, not of the day. Of course, it's going to be the best pitch meeting of the day. Not of the week. It's definitely going to be the best pitch meeting of the week. You're going to have a blast. I'm going to blow your mind with something amazing. But I want you to, at the end of the year, go, you know, of the best pitches, yeah, there was that one, you know, where George Clooney came in. He was awesome. There was the (laughs) one where Beyonce had that show. That was amazing. Oh, you know what else? That Dave Knoll and the Cleve Keller show. That That was a great pitch. Why didn't we buy that? Let's get them back in there. And then what happens is they say, let's get them back in their room and see what else he comes up with. That's, That's exactly what you're hoping. What That's what you're hoping yeah. for. So you've been a professional creator creating content as media for television networks and streamers and platforms. But there's this whole, like we said earlier, NFT, there's this whole new category of creativity, this like, I said, decentralized sort of market that is just video appears everywhere now. And you don't even realize you're watching videos anymore and they're NFTs. Where are you creatively in your process and in the timeline that you're in right now? I've been in TV for 25 years. The last five, this advent in media is quite Cool this reminds me of the late 90s when reality TV was happening. These tools at first were for cable executives and people in the industry and then quickly became our tools. So what can't you wait to start creating? What, what's got your interest creatively? When, when I'm huge on studying things. Um, yeah. So I'm huge on the past, right? I, I'm studying Dil, Barry Diller or I'm studying... Oprah, everything Oprah did, or or Brandon Tartikoff, or Walt Disney, constantly studying. Great but names. One of the things that you consistently see is being at the forefront of whatever it is. What what are you doing that's at the forefront, riding this wave that is just starting? So you're like, I'm going to get on this wave. This is a brand new wave. I'm going to get on it. And so Cleve and I are constantly talking about that, constantly talking about what's the new thing and what's the new thing that's going to really explode. So the metaverse right now, in my head, I'm just like, I would like to create whatever it is where we could all go in 
the metaverse and be there live, I would like to create that version of America's Got Talent or that version of MasterChef. Oh, cool. I don't even know what that is. I'm, I know. I'm into it. I'll help you. By the way, I was, just in, <laughs> I was in one of David Attenborough's projects that he's got for Oculus, which is like the beginning of humanity. And I, he did this brilliant thing. I don't even know what to call it. Like this is a media event. He did this th- amazing thing where I was able to understand like the beginning of time, 530 million years later. I mean, I felt like I was, I felt like I was going to the planetarium for the first time as like a, a seven year old. Like I could not believe wow. what, what was around me and how deep it threw me into the story. I was terrified I was going to jump into my television or like step on my dog or something. <laughs> like terrified was, you know what I mean? Like I'm, I'm going to see like some eel coming at me. Ah, you know? <laughs> um, but yeah. Awesome. So you just want to, you want to throw us in it. Like that's what it is. It's about, it's about a deeper, experience that we can do yeah and it drives me crazy because i'm like i'm a person who remembers you know my memory isn't great i have three kids so i need a lot of coffee and i don't remember anything but what i can remember is feelings right i remember what it felt like to watch survivor that first season I remember the feelings and when I felt certain things and I remember, so it drives me, it, it is beginning to drive me crazy because the metaverse is out there mm-hmm. and I remember the feeling of season one of American Idol. And I'm like, this can be done in the metaverse and it can be amazing. What we could do with that set, because you could do anything. With backup singers, with the band, mm-hmm. with the with with the judges. What we could do with the judges, and you could have you worked. I mean, we came from the exact same building, yeah. nearly floor at the same mm-hmm. time, floors away from each other. Um, what we could do, right? To to create the next Kelly Clarkson, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, I'm blanking on all their names. Jennifer Hudson, et cetera. Yeah. yeah those Inside stories. the metaverse would be insane. It would be something oh, yeah. where everyone would be, any, anyone you know, under the age of 40 who considered themselves cool at all would have to go to it. That's cool. I don't know. It's that stuff that drives me crazy. I'm like, who do I talk to? Where do I sign up? Let's do no. this now. I've got it in my head. We got to get Zuck on the phone and then make it happen. <laughs> but you're absolutely right. And and when I again, when I think of your shows, I th- you know sometimes Chopped can be compared to Jeopardy or um, or uh, The Price Is Right. But they, to be really honest, and with all due respect to those giant shows, those shows didn't change an industry the way that Chopped though. did. Like, like being on Jeopardy doesn't give me street cred. Oh, maybe it does in certain circles. Yeah. Being on Chopped, I think yeah. increased my prices on my menu. You know, I, I can yeah. tell my kids, you don't know what tastes good. <laughs> yeah. You know, I could go, you know, so it's, it's just, I see what you did there with Chopped. Now, America says, as to the conversation, and even then, it, they're, 
I think you, I tune into America says because I'm like, what did America say now? <laughs> <laughs> now what? Now what did we say? Funny. It's we crazy. Say? <laughs> People love it. <laughs> it's like I know. It's like it's like literally like I, I'm hoping for like uh, the Family Feud. You know, when the exit. You know, when there's an X, it means no one thought. You know what you were thinking yeah. of. And I'm like, are we just? Is that the category? Is America says all those weird? <laughs> what do we think? What did they say about? It's just I love, I love how you give this framework for conversation. You also make it fun for executives who have Michelin stars, you know, to be in a competition show, as well as people who have zero, can't even go grocery shopping. And I fall in that category. <laughs> so like, it's not scary. It's just, it's just food and a, a cloche. Is that the word? Yeah, it's a cloche. So now I'm just trying to show off that I listen. Um <laughs> I appreciate you so much. We can go on. We'll, we'll, so the other thing too, I realized over the break is on my podcast, I'm most likely probably going to stick with like the people I know. I think that that it's awesome to use a podcast as a way to grow a brand and as a way to introduce to new people. And I know a lot of people are doing that. I, I just think that to be honest, I'm so lucky. I'll say this. You I'm are. very I mean, lucky to have been dropped into the world that I was dropped into, but I work so hard to get to call people like you for 25 years to have these relationships that I just feel like my inner circle, I want to use this podcast to keep sharing the, the stories that help shape me that, that I can actually point back to as opposed to maybe in the future, what I, I hope can come from this. And, and, as and I that's said, your promise. <laughs> you're doing so many things right in and it listening to the episode like, like uh, the 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 imagery that you're using, the the logo, the all of it, like the the ha- you break in and uh, introduce the next, like all of the things that you're doing is are so good, and then the names and the yes, someone yes, with your uh, Rolodex, metaphorical Rolodex, um, should be doing exactly what you're doing. Yeah, oh, I appreciate that. Yeah, this and I, I thought a lot. Of, I thought long and hard about how to use my Rolodex, especially as I step into this position of, of education as an advisor, where where I'd like to be sharing. Um, and to be honest, I, I first, well, it's easy, it's easy for me to invite some of the big stars to my show because I'd rather people watch them than me. So like for that, that's a little bit of nerves, you know. Like my first few episodes, like no one's listening to my horrible questions or listening to Mandy more eloquently yeah. give me sound bites that like, to be honest, I'm all over She's the place. A, she was amazing. That was a great, great episode. I trust your her. Questions were great. And you're again, like the, the, the skeleton that you're creating, that whole thing, the, the production that you're creating is fantastic. And it's, it. Thank you. it's so much better than 99%. <laughs> Hey, like your like your book. If it if it helps one person, yeah. be a better communicator, um, have more fun creating, um, or just take- like I, I've seen now. Because again, I have a wife and three daughters. Christina Milian rom coms, like for them, like it's great. Yeah. Just listening to that episode was great. It was so much oh, yeah. fun for me because I'm so used to her now as the lady in the Christmas, you know, uh, switch rom-com movie. What I loved about podcasting, um, and you're getting to do it in this episode is actually guesting. Um, I I found that by, by being a guest on a podcast, I actually, I feel like became 
I hope I'm becoming a better even podcast host because I am so much more aware of the power of the guest and how to set those certain, you know, moments up for the aha moments so that they, so that you land on the aha moments and that we don't have to write it all out again, but that's trust. And I have trust in this and it's, process. And you're very good at getting people to the aha moments. And that like, there was a couple times that I started writing things down because what I always do is listen to the episode. Like I try, if you have it ready before you launch it, I'll listen to it first. And then I post about it the day it launches. And I've already said, here are the highlights. And the, awesome. I love doing it to get the word out. But I also love doing it for me because I'm like, oh, Vinny helped me remember that story. And then I said that line, that's great. That was great. And so I now have stuff that I can put in the book or stuff that I can use in the future or stuff that I can just put in that post that you have unearthed for me. So you, I was uh, trying to do it live every once in a while. I was like, oh, I shit, like it. Really I good. know. I, I see it. I never, I never call away from it because the second, <laughs> you know, and like you, it's funny because um, we've been in this industry for so long that people think after a while you don't take notes or something. But I, oh. we, we probably never show up to a meeting, even dinner <laughs> without a notebook yeah. and a pen. <laughs> yes, literally. Especially I'm watching TV. <laughs> I have a whole, like one, two, three, there's like 20 of these. <laughs> And every once in a while, I go back and leaf through and wait, how did we not sell this show? It's this so brilliant. Crazy. Dave Knoll, I want you back. Um, I can't wait to bump into you more on LinkedIn. And we had a fun Grant Cardone moment already. Um, wait, how, but, how did that happen? That's fun, right? So LinkedIn audio events is live and only 200 people have access to it. So as we're inviting people, there's, there's large influencers and creators that are on LinkedIn in, in our world that don't have access. And, and when I realized that, I quickly reached out to a couple of them and said, I'd love, uh, my favorite thing in life is giving creative people tools. Like the fact that there's a new tool on LinkedIn uh, on, on a platform that's, you know, 15 years old that you trust is built and a new tool. And you don't have to get in front of the camera for it. Like that's, I love that. Caduce awesome. popping up, you know. Um, but yeah. it's to your point about about being early, being first. Mm -hmm. It's exciting. Um, you just got to stay in it long enough for people who, who discover, you know, audience events that you're sticking it long enough to be discovered. And that's right. like, if anything, if we learn anything about being first, it's like you also well, have to be last. It, you have to be first in and last seen. <laughs> I'm dying to, to pitch with Cardone. So if you let him know that. All right, we'll talk. Because at yeah, one right point he said, uh, what did he say? Hey, make, make me famous, Dave Noll. Yeah. Yeah, make me a TV star. Oh, that that was the exact quote. Well, I have the book <laughs> right there. Yeah, it was. Well, I love that. All right, I'll make I'll, I'll make that connection happen. That's that's a that's a fun <laughs> one. Um, and this is just really awesome. I just appreciate you so much. <laughs> Thank you. What you're doing uh, in social media is amazing. The challenge, the challenge. You know, this is. Uh, I don't work at a network anymore, and I'm not a manager for talent. So a traditional manager for talent. So I, I don't get to dive into these types of conversations, and that's why I think I want this to be our space before I start interviewing people that I don't know. Yes. Yeah. This energy that's coming into me is coming in fast and I'm turning it around live on platforms and, and putting that's it into cool. action. So I appreciate you much and we'll do this again. Thank you so much for everything. And whatever, just think about Cleve and I, because uh, she was yeah. very excited I'm doing this. 
Thanks for listening to I Have a Podcast. For more information about today's episode, visit us at IHaveAPodcast.com. If you like what you've heard, follow us or subscribe to be notified of our next episode. And we appreciate any kind reviews.